As we just heard in today's Gospel, Jesus is heading through Gentile territory to a place called Caesarea Philippi. He was walking with his disciples, journeying along the way, as St. Mark calls it, and scripture scholars have noticed that Mark mentions the way seven times in this section of Mark's Gospel to identify Jesus' journey to Jerusalem to fulfill his destiny. That is, he will go there to suffer and to die. So the way is an important time for Jesus and his disciples. It is Jesus' time to articulate his last will and testament to his inner circle. And as they journey, I'm sure there was laughter among his friends, then more walking. Perhaps there was a bantering about politics or maybe even a few jokes. I mean, I'm sure there were songs and prayers to the Father, then more walking. I'm sure there were also silent moments of thoughtful reflection that led Jesus to this important question. Who do people say that I am? In other words, when people talk about me, do they think I'm a great teacher, a magician, a faith healer, a crazy man? What is it? Perhaps they kept walking for a while before anyone had the nerve to answer. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, Elijah the prophet, the traditional promised prophet to usher in the Messianic age. Maybe they walked along a little further, more silence. And then came the moment of decision. Jesus asks them to commit to him. And you, who do you say that I am? Many believe that when Jesus asked this question, he and his disciples had arrived in the city called Pinehas, where the ancient Canaanites built a sanctuary. In addition, the Greeks and the Romans also built sanctuaries there because of a cave known as the Cave of Pan. And inside the cave, there was a seemingly bottomless pit that flowed with a seeming unlimited quantity of fresh water that flowed throughout the whole city. So the city was rich because of the resource. Not only did it make the pagans marvel, it became a source of lush vegetation and an oasis in the desert. And you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? What is the right answer here? It is, of course, the spontaneously brash St. Peter who answers the question as he proclaims, you are the Christ. It isn't exactly a logical answer as they're standing in front of these massive temples with elaborate niches that were populated with statues of mighty pagan gods. By comparison, Jesus in his humanity must have looked kind of puny and peaked, if you will. But Peter chose correctly, which of course speaks of his deep devotion and faith in Jesus Christ. In other accounts of the Gospels, Jesus then raises St. Peter as the rock on whom he will build his church. St. Mark, though, is a man of few words, and in his Gospel, Jesus remains silent. And in a moment when the disciples should be celebrating the revelation of the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus continues by predicting his rejection, his suffering, and his death. Not exactly the image that Jews in first century Palestine had for the Messiah of their dreams. The scriptures continue to tell us that St. Peter takes Jesus aside to to, uh, to talk sense into him. 
He can't be saying this stuff. After all, this isn't going to fly as they move on to Jerusalem, seemingly to draw a crowd and increase the flock. In turn, Jesus reprimands St. Peter as he lapsed into this prideful thinking, tempting Jesus away from his true destiny, saying, Get behind me, Satan. Surely there was a little bit of an awkward silence as they continued walking along the way. I mean, when someone has called you the Prince of Darkness, there isn't much to say. Pretty much it's a conversation stopper, right? Then comes the part of the good news of Jesus Christ that doesn't seem such good news at all. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Forever who wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel, they will save it. For a lot of years, I thought that the cross described anything that was annoying, that was an affliction to us, you know, sickness, a bad day, an annoying person. But Jesus defines that type of cross that he has in mind. The crosses that Jesus has in mind are things that we take or on or reject for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Things that we do or don't do because we love Jesus more than the things of the earth. Most especially, I believe the story of Jesus forces us to consider all of the small G gods, those pagan gods we have in our lives. Going back to the story at Caesarea Philippi, when you go there, that deep, deep well dried up and the city then also dried up. By asking Jesus, the disciples this question, Jesus is t- saying that his life force, he as the Son of God, would, is so much greater. And we must choose him over everything else and to make him the priority of our lives. That's over work, material things, money, sports, even our reputations or our treasured relationships. The scene in Caesarea Philippi reminds us that Jesus must come first. And when we make decisions to deny ourselves for the sake of the gospel, we have accepted the cross and we are on the way to eternal life with Jesus. We have found the authentic Christian faith. Faith also bids us to be proactive. That is, what good is it when someone says that they have faith but it doesn't show. St. James asks, where are the works that demonstrate the faith that we have? Put bluntly, at the end of our lives, will there be enough evidence to convict us of being Christians? Our readings this weekend challenge us to progress on the way with Jesus Christ. If we don't accept crosses and if we do not demonstrate our service in his kingdom, Are we really his followers? Are we really on the way? Or are we lost and in the shadow of death? Or are we somewhere else?